Hello everyone, hope you are doing well. Welcome to another episode of DevOps with Zach. I'm Marshall Zakaria and today's guest speaker is Alex. So this episode is the very first episode for 2022. So let's get started. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm great. Really happy to be with you today, Zach. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So far, 2020 is so good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think uh, it's better. Let's get started. So, uh, what about tell about yourself a little bit to the audience, uh, Alex? Sure. So, hi, I'm Alex. I'm also known as Maria. Um, I'm originally from Romania, but I live in the UK currently in Scotland. I work in public cloud as a product adoption lead. Uh, for JP Morgan in Glasgow. Uh, I, I don't know. I've done a lot of things in my life. I started my tech career with uh, King, so the makers of Candy Crush in Barcelona. I then moved back to the UK. I've been a software engineer. I've been a community manager. Uh, I've been a uh, marketing manager. I've been kind of like any random tech job you could imagine. <laughs> Yeah. So, wow, I heard this word Candy Crush. So you used to work for this company, huh? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, actually, I worked for them right when they were being acquired by Activision Blizzard. And I just saw in the news last week that Microsoft are acquiring yes, them. Yes, uh, So <laughs> basically, a lot of my favorite companies are going under Microsoft. So I think maybe <laughs> at some point I should consider a career change to work for Microsoft. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I, uh, personally, I believe you know that uh, uh, the, the main reason for all the games is begin with the Microsoft, uh, with their libraries and uh, the frameworks they have built. So I think it's, uh, I think, uh, I hope that uh, they'll be doing a good job for this activation, especially for the, I'm a big Call of Duty fan, so uh, they're going to be good stuff uh, <laughs> about Call of Duty soon, hopefully. Yeah. So the Candy Crush, right, I, I would say that uh, yeah, my mom... So my mom loves to play that game. <laughs> uh, I think uh, most of the yeah the moms, dads, the apart from the uh, the younger generation, even the the other generations also love to play that game. Especially, I see in the commute, right, uh, the in the train, inside the train, so they used to play these games. Yeah, mm -hmm. always. So so uh, it's it's really interesting about yourself. You know how we start the career, and because we met uh, before uh, inside another tech show, and I was listening to your awesome. Uh, career path and how we started. So, uh, shall we talk about a little bit? You know how we started your career, and uh, from then to up to now, have you, uh, you know, yeah, beat all your challenges and stuff? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I think um, my my career journey is a great example of how you don't have to do computer science in university, or you don't have to be like a super avid programmer um, having, I don't know, 20 projects in your, in your like list of open source projects you work on or anything like that, if you actually have a passion for technology. And I think, especially in my mentoring of, you know, minorities and uh, women in technology, I always try to encourage them and say, it, you don't have to be, you know, a programmer to work in tech. 
it's not a prerequisite. You don't have to have a computer science degree. There are lots of people that come from like different environments. Um, I did business and publishing in my undergrad, uh, and then I went to become a software engineer. <laughs> so I, I am pretty, pretty random in that respect. Um, but I think that shows the possibilities for, for people, you know, in and outside of tech to come into a tech role. Um, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was hard, but I did um, have some technical background in programming beforehand just because I did it in my own free time. And because in high school in Romania, they actually teach you some programming as like mandatory for every student. Uh, so I had a bit of an advantage, but it was still, you know, hard. And I still had to go through a grad boot camp for like tech before I joined the other grads that were coming from computer science uh, backgrounds. And the thing is, once you find something that you really like and you find your people and the industry that you want to be in, I think <laughs> you just need to remember why yes. you're there. Um it's always been, you know, a little bit awkward in the beginning for me because, for example, when I joined uh, King, in the team that I joined, I was the first ever female to join their team. And they were about 20, 25 people. Wow. Uh, and nice. they've never had a woman colleague. <laughs> so it was it was an adjustment uh, until they realized, actually, do you know what? She's cool and like everything's all right and like we didn't have to be apprehensive she didn't have to be apprehensive and it all actually really worked out really well and we had a great time working together um I still keep in touch with some of them um so you know like I think I think it's it's a lot of anxiety maybe for the person who's in the minority when they join but if you're in a good company in a good role and you're enjoying what you're doing and learning that makes a huge difference um, transitioning into tech. And then I also did a computer science master's that I finished last year uh, with the sponsorship of my company um, because I wanted to go back and get that, you know, theoretical computer science knowledge uh, that I didn't get when I was starting out. Um, so there's always the opportunity to, you know, top up your knowledge after a bit of time. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're choosing your people wisely, there are always going to be people who you can go and ask questions that can support you, that can help you learn, that can, you know, pair program with you or pair with you to like help you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a continuous learning journey. And if tech is one thing, it is <laughs> continuously changing and you have to continuously adapt and learn and unlearn and relearn um so yeah. if you're that kind of person then you know tech is for you that, that's totally agree huh? so uh when, when you're talking about that even i was thinking you know recently i had this uh, one of these sessions so they asked me uh how you seeing your uh, the future in a couple of years so I say, no, I don't, I want to, okay, uh, I want to retire from the IT industry within another 10 years and I want to be a farmer. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the farmer in the sense of what know, I meant to. I had the same, <laughs> yeah. I had the same, I had the same like vibe of like, I want to, you know, go back to the roots and uh, do this because I don't know where the world is going. <laughs> yeah, because I want to get a small house with my wife and uh, get a pet and 
uh, be a farmer, be relaxed, no need to update yourself, no need a computer like that because, you know, uh, the current IT industry is yeah. like that. You cannot, uh, you cannot be stagnated. You have to be evolved with uh, all the technologies because you cannot be using still the old school stuff. But that doesn't mean you should not start from the beginning. Like you mentioned, I really appreciate what you said about your master's degree because you wanted that theoretical knowledge. Yes, I agree because um, it's a really important point that you if you need that theoretical knowledge to uh, apply in certain areas, almost everywhere. But that doesn't mean if you are starting from the different uh, domain, you cannot achieve anything. Because I have a, a few of my friends, especially I remember two friends. One friend is a chemical engineer who is a, uh, one of the best software engineers I ever met. And one guy is a, a physics engineer. He has a degree on the physics. So he's one of the uh, yeah. best uh, DevOps engineer ever met. So uh, it doesn't matter which domain you're coming from. If you want to achieve something, yes, you can do it. I think it's a really important point you yeah. mentioned, uh, Alex. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I know it's a big It's a long journey and it's a huge journey. So I definitely you may face a lot of challenges. Like you said, it's not easy. So you have any uh, any uh, couple of uh, places you want to mention that uh, have you faced these challenges and it, it definitely could be a, a good uh, example for another audience who is listening. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, uh, I faced a lot of challenges. Like, I think like at one point I just get to the point where I'm like, I don't even see them as challenges anymore. I just see them as problems to solve and how to get over or under or around the, you know, issue or through it. Um, I'm trying to think about something that maybe, you know, maybe all ages of audiences can, um, can relate to. And I think I have definitely faced like, you know, technical challenges, definitely. Like I've had to sometimes learn languages and systems in the span of a couple of weeks. Um, because I needed to be able to do something very specific. Um, like I learned scripting in Groovy in probably like a week or two, like not good. I'm not saying it was very good, but I learned enough to be able to <laughs> perform some of the, the like tasks that I had to inside of uh, a virtual agent that used Groovy for scripting. Um, and Honestly, it was so much fun because I was like, right, I need to get to the point where I can make it do this. Currently, I don't really know how to make it do that, but I'm going to start with the basics and I'm going to try to like, you know, um, map out the logical process of what I'm trying to do. And then I'm going to learn the syntax and like the functions and the commands for Groovy to be able to translate my logical map into actual code that will make the agent do what I want it to do automatically. Um, and <laughs> it sounds like, you know, it sounds like how kids learn stuff when they're young. Um, but it is very much like that. And I think that that shows that, you know, if you have the technical aptitude and the determination, you can basically learn any new technological concepts or languages or, you know, like systems, um, because at the end of the day, it is applying what you know to a new framework. Um, and I think that's helped me a lot. And I think that's what I recommend to people is understand why and how you do things, not just how to get to the end goal. Um, because the next time you need to pivot and change, 
you will have to, you will have to look back and be like, right. I know in Java, I did it like this. This is Python and it has different syntax, but I understand the logic between why I'm, I'm writing this piece of code <laughs> so yeah. I can transform it into a new piece of code in yeah, another right. language. Right. Um, I think another thing, another thing that I've, I've kind of learned is more on the people side. Um, and it is around feedback. Um, I think I struggled a lot in the beginning because people were afraid to give me feedback for various reasons, um, either because I was, you know, more junior or I was from a minority group or they were afraid they're going to hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> and I think don't underestimate the value of feedback. Um, I'm talking here about constructive, positive feedback, not about someone shouting at you because you did something wrong, because that's not feedback. Um, and whenever people tell you you did a great thing, maybe take it upon yourself to go back and ask them, could I have done anything else a bit better? Like, I'm happy that overall we're satisfied with our interaction and relationship and, you know, work that we've done. But was there something that you wish I did differently? Or do you think, you know, I, I take too little time to think about the solution and then implement it? Like, try to get to make the other person feel comfortable to give you feedback and in a way try to kind of like elicit that where you know you kind of lack some skills uh try to ask them you know could i have done something in this area better do you have any recommendations on how i can get better like i don't know like mentorship or books or podcasts or whatever um and try to not let them feel like they have to give you constructive feedback, but open up that channel for them to see that you're open to receive feedback. Yes, I would like to add a few points about that. You know, the feedback is, is really matters uh, when it comes to anything. Uh, you know, uh, when it comes yeah. to DevOps, right? The feedback also one of the main pillars. Uh, without feedback, yeah. <laughs> you cannot make any improvements or you cannot fix anything because the feedback matters, even though if, if, if you have like uh, the annual reviews, so, you know, the appraisals, uh, everything, it's, it's depends on the feedback, right? So personally, I used to, I used to, everyone is, uh, everyone have these own things, right? How they get into these positions. I mean, like uh, sometimes uh, some people, some engineers, they take time to learn things. Maybe uh, some are very smart, some are very hardworking, different, different aspects. So, for me personally, uh, what I do believe is like feedback, there's no anything less such as a negative or positive, like you said. Uh, the feedback is a feedback. If there's anything, any areas to improve, yes, you have to accept this as, as a positive one and you have to take this as a challenge and you have to work it out because it's it's for your own good, right? If someone is saying, okay, yeah. uh, uh, okay, your technical is good, but uh, you you have to improve your communication areas, you know, how you're going to interact with your the customers or interact with your teams so it's something good that means you have to improve definitely right if something is there means you have to yeah. improve but i have seen certain certain areas some some engineers taking as a personal uh, and uh, having grudge with their tech leads or you know the managers <laughs> yeah it's, it's not good it's not good actually you know i know it's, it's hard sometimes uh, sometimes you feel like okay why i'm always wrong and why uh, keep telling me to do this do this but if you're if you're looking yeah. at that that thing as a broader way, yes, that means that person is correct. Otherwise, why why that person is uh, keep uh, 
telling you to improve improve that means the people is caring about you to make yeah. you get in a good position so I, i i always believe that you have to check in the, the very broad area it's not like okay why this person is always like annoying and ask me to do this to this not, not like that that means yeah 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 it's a simple like right if if no one is care about you nobody care they they will leave, let you to leave it or just go away exactly But, yeah if they gonna give you the cheap feedback they are going to give you the feedback like continuous that means that person is believing in you that means uh, that person knows that you could do better so uh, i i agree with you what you say dalex it's, it's really important about that feedback part So, yeah. is there one or two unforgettable memories or incident in your career? Maybe in the king or somewhere else, you know? <laughs> Definitely uh, should have. Oh, well, um, I think so. Uh, one of, like, unforgettable moments were uh, when I organized a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, actually. It was in 2019, so right before the pandemic hit. Um, I organized the biggest South Coast Meetup Collider. um in the UK so basically we had uh different meetups come to our office in Bournemouth uh and we had the corresponding communities of practice from our company uh come as well we had about 200 people um they got together for like a couple of hours in an evening we had some pizza we had some drinks uh we did like some talks we had like a networking session with everyone um and that was one of my most unforgettable moments at my my role uh when i was still there before i transferred up to glasgow uh and i think from king <laughs> oh my god so this is this is really really cool um it was in the summer uh and we had like this entire office party which was absolutely amazing uh <laughs> and it wasn't even like for a celebration it was just like a summer <laughs> beach party uh which i found super cool like i found you know uh having an office party in a weekend just because it's a summer weekend was like the best cultural aspect ever that i've seen in the company um and they also when we launched um there was a new version of farm heroes Uh, <laughs> that they launched and they gave us all little uh, grow your own tomatoes um <laughs> and actually we started growing them in the office and we had like the people that were taking care of the office managers would actually like water them if any of us were out um and when i left barcelona i gave mine to one of my colleagues um and he actually sent me pictures with like this huge tomato cherry tree a couple months later that he had that was my plant that i grew until i left uh which wow. was amazing <laughs> that that's something nice actually you know you know that one thing i i uh, okay I, i know like maybe 90% loves tomato right even especially uh, cherry yeah. tomato i don't like yeah. tomato i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> well my colleague my colleague that that got the plant loved tomatoes uh, and oh, he put it okay. in his balcony Wow. So it was it was really cool to see it like all grown yeah, with like yeah, yeah. all of the tomatoes there um that was like a, a and it was like months after I left the company uh okay. that he sent me the picture so it was really nice to like see that like he kept it alive <laughs> even after <laughs> I left <laughs> Oh that's something nice actually it's a it's a good gesture actually yeah it it's a good memory yeah. actually you know yeah even I had some uh experience like that actually it's memories right with my friends uh, you know that uh, small cactus plants 
Yeah. So, yeah, and go the pots, right? So I one plant one friend gave me from Sri Lanka. So mm-hmm. I, I carried from Sri Lanka to Singapore that one actually. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. it's uh, it. Took, it survived actually uh, only a few weeks, I would say, because high humidity in Singapore, it's kind of uh, dead. Oh, no. I, I just, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. That's what, what to do. So, so <laughs> I'm going to ask yeah. you this question because all, all the guests I have invited to these, my podcast, I always ask this. So what yeah. is your perspective about DevOps and how important is DevOps in any organization? Uh, it's you, it, you can tell, you know, own way, you know. What do you think about mm-hmm. DevOps and how important about that? Yeah. So um, I think that for me personally and the teams and the companies that I've worked in, like DevOps is very important. Um, it hasn't, you know, always existed just on its own. Like we're very much into SRE practices as well uh, now. So like we're, we're complementing DevOps with SRE. Um, I think like, the pillars of DevOps are totally spot on. I think it also brings in like a different culture um, to how we see, you know, um, development and teams working with broader teams and actually looking more holistically at the entire development lifecycle. Um, I also think it's, even though it's like, you know, a set of practices, it's a lot of culture and like relationships and trying to like bring together development and operations to like deliver faster for your customers. Um, I also think like, you know, that uh, trying to automate and like do as much as you can to remove the like manual and repetitive efforts for like your development operations teams is also very important because that's when you give them the opportunity to grow and innovate when you actually free up their time to work on the harder problems and solve the harder problems then have to, you know, go through like repetitive manual solutions for smaller problems that keep repeating for a lot of customers. Um, I think like at the same time, like SRE complements DevOps to some extent because they have a more operational background um, and they also like look a bit more at the customer impacting side than DevOps would look. Um, And yeah, I I, like for me, I think if I go to an organization and they don't follow these practices and they don't apply these practices and they don't have these teams, it is a little bit of a demonstration that they're not really at the level of maturity that they should be. Um, And I'm not saying that, you know, every small company needs to have an SRE team and a DevOps team and like they have to have these things, but just applying the principles and, you know, making sure that you're working with these in mind uh, is important. Yes, correct. I agree. I agree. The last part you're going to say that uh, uh, then like, uh, it doesn't matter if small company or huge organization, uh, they can practice because it's 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 it won't make them any cost, right? Because it's all about good. Yeah. So I really love the way you explain that. You know the practice about the principles and stuff. Because when it comes to DevOps, everyone thinks okay, uh, a particular person like a DevOps engineer or or a, a person who knows uh, Kubernetes or AWS or Google Cloud, Docker, Istio, whatever. 
but uh, it's not the proper DevOps, right? So the way you explain is really, I'm really, I'm really happy the way you explain. Uh, uh, it's what it's about, yes, it's a, it's a practice, a culture, and all about that. Because the tools, right? Uh, today, maybe we are talking about Docker, maybe tomorrow will be another, another one. <laughs> so it doesn't matter, but the yeah. practice and the culture is really, really important. Yeah. So Alex, finally, any last yes. advices or any suggestions about the audience, especially the girls, you know, uh, I know a lot of university students are listening to this. So I mm -hmm. did once with one of the university students, she, she was explaining about, uh, her career path and how she faced her, uh, the, the, the problems and issues she had. So I think you could give some uh, uh, encouragement and some advices, those who are listening now. Yeah, um, I think uh, when I look back at like my my journey and what I've learned um, and what I my decisions that impacted, you know, how I, I ended up where I am. <laughs> um, I think the best thing that happened to me was that I didn't come from a very well like to do background. I actually came from a quite modest background from like a farm in Romania. Um, and I had to work all throughout my university years uh, after I moved to the UK for university. Um, and actually that was one of my biggest advantages when I finished university and I started applying for graduate schemes, for jobs. I had so much experience in different areas from like program management for my university to customer success and customer service in different like customer facing jobs that I did. I worked for a startup. Uh, I worked for the Oxford Town Hall uh, at the museum. I had so much experience and people skills and management and organizational skills that I I got invited to quite a few jobs and they, because they saw that beyond doing a good job at studying, I actually was capable of working at the same time and doing it very well um, and in different areas. So I had quite like broad um, skills that I could transfer to any other role. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to, you know, um, be part of something like the GitHub Campus Experts, organize a community in your local area or your university, volunteer for a nonprofit, um, do internships, uh, work on open source projects, uh, <laughs> anything that can give you exposure to a wider network and to skills that you can then transfer into a job application and then a job role, uh, they're super important. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There are a lot of amazing online and offline communities um, in universities, uh, in like programs from companies that are investing in junior talent. Um, there's also like a lot of opportunities for like mentoring and coaching from more experienced technologists. Um, I think like there, we live in a world in a time when if you have access to the internet and some technology, even a phone, you can do so much for your career. And the world is moving to more remote opportunities for careers. So no matter where you are in the world, you will have an opportunity to work for 
more and more companies because they will uh, encourage people from anywhere to apply or at least where they have their entities like their legal entities where they can hire so this is the best time to start thinking about you know where do you want to take your career um what can you do to gain some skills and experience um and how you can transfer that to an actual you know job in the future uh, and it's never too early to start building connections and getting in touch with people, becoming part of communities, leading communities. Um, I think, you know, the earlier you start, the better. But at the same time, you know, don't rush it. Take your time. You have plenty of time. You have your whole life ahead of you. And if something doesn't work out, it's okay. Just try to find the next one. Uh, sometimes it's good to find out what you don't want to do. <laughs> Uh, from what you do um, and you realize, you know what, I don't want to be a full-time software engineer or, you know what, I don't want to be a product manager or whatever it is. Um, it's also good to give you an idea of what you do want to do. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of organizations like Women Tech Makers, um, Aspiring Women Speakers, all sorts of places where you can go and get support and help. Uh, from other more senior technologists. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. I, I, I would like to add a few points about this. Uh, when, you, when you're saying that if you have a mobile phone, that's more than enough. That's true. Because uh, because of this pandemic, right, I've seen these, especially in the countries uh, uh, where they don't have access to the computers for everyone. So they learn from the mobile phone. I see that even though like uh, me, myself, my friends, we help to donate few of the mobile phones to some of the remote areas of the children because it's a big deal for them. They, they learn from the mobile phone. So yeah. yeah, I think it's more than enough. If you have the mobile phone and the proper internet connection, that's it. You have the world. You can learn anything you want. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. a library. You know what? I started, I started actually going to my library because they give me like online access to books and all sorts of stuff. And usually libraries have online connections. So right. if you want, just go to your local library. They would love to see you. They always want to see more people in the libraries. So yeah. Yes. That sounds good. So yeah. So uh, thank you so much, Alex, to join with me today. So uh, I hope we can do more and more of these episodes. And yeah, and uh, happy to see you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you, Alex, for joining with us today. And if you would like to join with Alex, please check the links in the description, Twitter, and LinkedIn, so on. So I look forward to seeing you again with another episode of The Optic Zach.